From the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe, you're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. Oops, you did it again. <laughs> you just arrived to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your glamorous host, David Strasser, and this is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete chaos. We got some amazing interviews coming up right here on Shark Bite Biz. I got to plug some of these. First off, we got LOA. Yes, Life of Agony fans. We got Alan Robert becoming Shark Bait, as well as some amazing business minded people like Jonathan Dio as well as good friend of mine, Brandon Wilson, author of the book, Sabotage. Oh, this is probably one of the best leadership books that I have ever read. Totally love it. And I can't wait till we air this interview. That's going to be hot. But if you want to keep seeing awesome interviews like this, please support the channel by heading over to deadhousecoffee.com. Use the code SHARK. You will get 20% off your whole order. We'll get all the proceeds to continue bringing you the biggest and best show we possibly can. Now, let's talk about today's show. We got another two-timer coming on today. Yeah, we're going to check in with one of our first interviews we had on Shark Bite Biz and have a casual business discussion talking about some of the trends happening to business and hear how this business her business has shifted from business law to mostly family law that was driven in part by this dang pandemic. It's just one of those great, casual, open conversations that I like to, you know, state these conversations. It's kind of like an unstructured, structured conversation. You know, it's a hot mess. I love it, though. We cover a lot of good topics that hopefully will give you some good food for thought. So who do we have today? For the second time, we have Mrs. Elizabeth Yang. Elizabeth Yang is the founder, CEO of the Law and Mediation Offices of Elizabeth Yang. Elizabeth has been practicing law since 2007 and specializes in intellectual property law, including patent, copyright, and trademark prosecution and litigation. Business law, including corporate entity formation, contract drafting, contract disputes, litigation, family law, including divorce, child custody, child support, alimony, and asset division. She also does estate planning, including establishing wills and trusts. She is fluent in Mandarin, Chinese, and I'd like to say one of the best, if not the best, lawyer I know. So hey, without any delay, let's bring Elizabeth Back on to Shark Bite Biz. Business operations. Elizabeth, for the second time, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, you just became Shark Bait. <laughs> Good to be back. It's been a year and uh, you get, you've been doing so amazing with all the podcasts. So it's an honor to be here a second time. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, we're glad to have you here for a second time. And... You know, I added the, uh, the, you just became shark bait line to my intro. I like it. It's staying. It's there forever now. 
<laughs> I love it. Everyone uh, here will be your shark bait. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So as you know, we have a tradition. It actually pretty much started with you because James was my first interview. You were my second interview. And it can't become a tradition until you do it two times, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> since your episode, it became a tradition that we have to ask everybody, hey, what's your experience? What's your background? Basically, tell us in a nutshell, what makes Elizabeth, Elizabeth? <laughs> well, it's great to be back. And I still absolutely keep in touch with James. He does oh. um, really great marketing for me and brings in a ton of clients. So uh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, so in the last year or year and a half since we last spoke, um, things have gone on the up and up in the arena of family law. So, yeah. you know, I think we talked about IP law and business law back then. Yeah. But in the last year, that's just steady, not not growing exponentially. But family uh -huh. law has skyrocketed and it's very likely because couples are being quarantined at home <laughs> and they're spending too much time together more than they're used to yeah and i don't like you that much right exactly well it's like extremes of the spectrum either we don't we realize i don't like you that much or i realize i can't live without you because i'm enjoying all this time we're spending together and so people who haven't committed to each other and proposed are now getting married and there's been yeah. a ton of covid babies but then on the Ooh. other end of the spectrum, which affects my industry, the divorce cases are on the rise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember um, for those of you who did not get that, Elizabeth is has her law office out there in Los Angeles. And she's been doing this for many, many years. And those that have not watched the third episode of Shark Bite Biz need to get back and watch it because Elizabeth was literally the second interview I've ever done for this show. Uh, she allowed me to do some trial and error and she became my guinea pig, so thank you. <laughs> it was uh, my pleasure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but back in that episode, it was really cool because it was in the beginning I don't know. I wouldn't say it was in the beginning of the pandemic, but it was kind of in the beginning to where it was around for 60 days. Everything kind of kind of closed off. Um, you know, your your episode came out like the second, third week of July, but we recorded in June. So it was probably like the third month into the pandemic. Wow. 15 months in between since we recorded. That's insane. I don't yeah, think you nor I you nor I would think that there was going to be that much time be between both episodes, right? Or so much things that have happened. Oh, yeah, it's been, it's been a roller coaster. Life is, it's crazy anymore. But when we were, when we were talking, uh, you were primarily doing IP law, business law, things like that. And what you discovered was that, hey, you know, people are getting divorced. And uh, it was really ironic because I remember James was telling us just in the interview before years, as far as, you know, he was using you as an example about how like, hey, they followed the data and stuff like that. And turned out the family law was on the rise. 
and you put your eggs in that basket and a year later you're saying it's still on the rise it's still on the rise and this year you know some of the divorces that were not filed during the pandemic because people didn't want to leave the home and have to find a new place and risk their health now as things are opening up they're being braver and now they're filing because now they can go and find a new place to stay so right. uh, yeah, if they can find a place, though, I mean that's a the whole other subject right there. I mean, uh, the real estate market is is probably it's insane. Yeah, yeah. Well, they just allowed evictions this month, so mm-hmm. during the last fifteen months, uh, landlords could not evict any tenants. There's been a ton of tenants wow. living rent free. So that that yeah, there there has been, and uh, we've had a couple real estate people on the show talking about that a little bit. But you know, you, you said that, and something clicked in my head. Our landlord originally told us we could stay here 2024, 2025, and then one day out of nowhere, you know, we got an email last month, and it was like, hey. Um, you're welcome to buy the house from us, but uh, we're selling the house. But we'll give you first dibs, you know, because we, I wasn't planning on buying the house. Now, though, so I was kind of caught off guard. But I'm wondering if from a legal standpoint, part of the reason why he waited until last month was because of the eviction moderatium. I wonder, I, I don't know, that's just crossing my mind now that you said that. And it was kind of kind of clicking because we're not really being evicted. But they will try to, you know, give us notice, kick us out, stuff like that. Um, where it, I mean, we did have in writing from him that we'd be able to say to 2024 slash 2025. So I don't know any legal battle there or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that, that could definitely be a reason because with the moratorium up for mm-hmm. October, lots of changes are happening in the real estate market. Yeah. So with you and your practice, you said that the IP law is down. Are businesses just not suing each other or are they, uh, you know, with just COVID, it's like they don't have as much opportunity to screw each other over or what? <laughs> <laughs> They're not spending money on filing for intellectual property because having okay. patents, trademarks, and copyrights are nice. It definitely brings value to their business, but it's not like a necessity. You know, without IP, their business is not going to go under. Um, so mm-hmm. if things are tight and things are risky and unstable, mm-hmm. then they're going to save that money and not spend it on IP. IP is like right. a luxury to have. Okay. So when you said IP, you know, this is something I, I'll use this as a real life example, the podcast. I have registered since you've been on before. It was just, you know, David Strasser hosts the Shrek by Fizz, just the individual business owner, sole proprietor with that. But since then, because the show has proven to be popular, I went through the expense and uh, I did end up doing the LLC for it. But one thing that crossed my mind, I did that to cover the coffee, the Dead House coffee, as well as Shark Bite Biz. They get both of those as DBAs and get some protection with that. But the names itself, whether it was Dead House Coffee, Shark Bite Biz, I want to do it. But doing that just seems like it was a little bit of a luxury, especially since I'm not making a ton of money with the the podcast itself right now. I mean, it it seems like in that way, I was kind of validated in my thinking that it is a luxury, but that doesn't mean that I shouldn't do it. Is that, is that correct? I mean, how strong? We have a lot of people out there that are 
small businesses, whether it's somebody like you and they're a one woman shop or one one person shop, whatever like that, um, or they have two, three people. I mean, they still have IP that they want to protect, whether it's a logo, a, a trademark, whatever it is. I mean, how critical is that? Well, it's, you know, like I said, it's not a necessity. Your business is not going to go under, but um, research has shown that getting a trademark for your business name mm-hmm. and getting that branding does increase the value of your business by 35%. So that's wow. a huge increase. And also, if you don't go and do a trademark search, at least to see if anyone mm-hmm. else has taken that name, you can easily get a cease and desist letter sent to you Right. years after you've been in business, spent so much money marketing your name. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. someone else like, oh, we own this name. Your name is too similar to ours. So you need to change your name. And that's that's going to be very expensive. We've, we've had many clients come to us. They didn't own a trademark and then now they have a cease and desist letter that they got to deal with. So better safe than sorry. Is that a way though that you could troll somebody too? Because like, for example, if uh, they did not trademark their business brand, okay. If I say, hey, look, okay, well, you didn't trademark that. So I'm going to trademark it and then just open up a subsidiary with that uh, name or DBA. I mean, could I control them like that? Is that something that would be legal? Well, you actually have to do business under that name right. in order to own the trademark. So you can't just open a DBA but not be, you know, doing business. You, you actually have to but actually operate. do business. You have to do business. It's not like, you know, a website domain that you can just go and, you know, buy like 10, 20 domains on GoDaddy and hog it and then wait until someone else wants it and then sell it to them for thousands of dollars. If you did do business under that name and made it legitimate, even if you were doing it as a troll, you could easily do that to somebody. It sounds like. Well, trademark law is different than patent law in that trademark law, they look at who has used the name first. So if someone else used the name, even though they didn't file a trademark, they still have fair use rights around it. And so if you go and Mm. file a trademark, you would get federal protection. And um, you would you would be able to use the mark enti- across the entire United States. But if another company used that mark before you, let's say they only operated right. out of California, they would still be able to operate out of California, but you would own the rest of the United States. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, so I was asking out of curiosity, I think, you know, a lot of our listeners, they are people like you. I mean, they're all, a lot of the guests that we've had on the shows are our listeners. And that's kind of um, inspiring to me because then I get to see the quality of the people that are liking and loving the show. And I see people that are small business owners, usually small shops. Uh, But I I was asking that question for a selfish reason, because when I came out of my dead house copy, I had a friend that uh, stole the whole idea. And he came out, uh, mm-hmm. he, he, he did it under a different name, but I took the whole idea and everything. I, I was kind of upset with that. So I, I did see that he did not have his business name trademarked. <laughs> so I was always wondering, well, maybe instead of getting tricked by biz or Deadhouse Coffee trademarked, maybe I should just troll him, start my own business under his name and get a trademark on his business name. And give it to them that way. So is that how you came up with Shark by Biz? No, no, I didn't. No, 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 not Shark by Biz. With the coffee. With the coffee. So I came out with the coffee. And I came out with Dead House Coffee, um, which is my coffee bread. And 
I, it, it all started, it's a crazy story. Um, what happened was I was showing logos to my friends, uh, you know, a lot of business professional minded friends on Facebook and everybody I have on Facebook. It's not like I have random accounts. I mean, everybody on there are people that I know or have met in person or worked with virtually, you know, people like you, James, people like that. And I show these and I wanted their honest opinions and, and stuff like that. And out of nowhere, this one guy comes up and he's like, Oh, here's the logo you should use. And, you know, he ended up, um, forcing me to buy one of the logos off him because he was threatening to just use it himself then. And I'm like, no, you can't use it yourself and steal the whole concept. So he, he sells me the logo. He doesn't use that logo, but he changes the name, tweaks the concept, and then starts his own coffee company going after all the same networks. Because we have a lot of crossover with our networks. And I was like, holy cow. That kind of taught me a little bit of a story, though. It's like, okay. Maybe I should be like not so open and trusting to to everybody because there are people like him that will just do that and screw you over any way possible in business. Oh, wow. I'm so sorry to hear that. But if he just tweaked it a little bit and it's still similar enough to yours where the, the test is likelihood of confusion by the normal oh, well, consumer. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, as far as that goes, we're, we're, we're good. But when I say tweak a little bit, meaning that I did zombies because, you know, you wake up in the morning and it's like, you're a zombie. So it's yeah. dead house coffee, get back to life. You know, yeah. you, you should see the commercial I have made. It's, it's pretty awesome. So <laughs> I did zombies and he was like, oh, well, I'm going to go after like goth Satanist people going under that same spooky type thing of get back to life and stuff. So he didn't take my tagline, but he tweaked it that way and he made it just enough different to where, you know, he got in, he found out my supplier, everything. And that just, oh, that wow. just really, really stinks because now, uh, you know, with our, our mutual network, our coffee sales are kind of split between both of them. So it stinks. Oh, like I'm no. sure and have my revenue with him now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's why it's also important to sign non-disclosure agreements so that even if you don't own any IP on it, as long as it's your idea, you sign it with him. If he breaches that NDA, you can sue him for breach of contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where um, I, I think I just got to get every single, okay, you want to be friends with me on uh, Facebook? No problem. We can do it. You just got to sign this NDA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. Be careful about no. all your inventions and secrets because if they're valuable, someone's going to want to monetize off of it. And, and it's crazy because I've always heard those types of stories and stuff like that, but I never thought that it would happen with something like this, especially that I'm going to logo. Like, even if I saw a Fred where it was like, hey, you know, I'm starting up a business, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. Um, even if I had the idea before, I don't know, maybe it just pride or, you know, whatever, but I wouldn't go out and start a business with that same, you know, that same type of business with just a different thing and try to undercut my friend unless I don't care about it. I think that's just a little, that's a little bit too ruthless for me, you know, like I, I bargain a tough deal, but 
not not that hard. Yeah, but you know what? Unfortunately, in the legal realm, all the business disputes and lawsuits I see are usually with people who know each other really well. And many times they're like friends or family members. It's rarely with strangers yeah. that don't have a relationship. So it's actually the people that you know well that you got to watch out for. That's why uh, when I when I give um, advice, I tell people if, if you if you um, are close with someone, like let's say you want to loan them money, don't yeah. just say okay, we're gonna do you know a gentleman's promise, gentleman's handshake, or a verbal promise. Get everything in black and white writing on paper, yeah. notarized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the legal industry itself? Over this past year, how has that evolved or changed? for you, for your office, for court proceedings. Can you give us some of those details? Yeah, it's, it's transformed so much. But I think, you know, I think it's transformed for the better. So last year, the courthouses were closed for several months. And mm-hmm. um, when they reopened, of course, they wanted to um, have everything be safe for the judges, mm-hmm. for the court employees. Because actually, in the in the Los Angeles courthouses, there was a wave of um, COVID and a lot of employees got sick and some people even died. So um, when they reopened, they they allowed a lot of virtual court hearings and they even did virtual jury trials. So even nowadays, any court hearing um, Mm -hmm. that we get to appear uh, for a client on, it's almost all virtual. They just send us a Zoom link and we hop Mm -hmm. on and we get to see the judge and talk to the judge right from the comfort or wherever our computer is at. And the clients can appear too. How easy or hard is that i mean does it make the court proceedings easier does it make it harder because i don't know it's just i i feel that if i'm doing court okay and i'm gonna see a judge i'd rather see a judge in person uh to sell it with body language all that stuff and not from you know a studio that's in my house i i don't know that gives me the warm and fuzzy i feel more comfortable that way. What about you and and your people, your clients? Yeah. So I would say for um, important court hearings where you want to convey feelings, you know, and emphasize certain things. And like you said, body language, those hearings, Mm -hmm. I definitely think it's easier to make arguments and be more persuasive in person. So for those hearings that we will make the trek to courts, go through security, do all the protocols and appear in person. But there's many court hearings that are very um, non-emotional, maybe it's just mm-hmm. a request for a continuous, you know, or enter a stipulation, right. something yeah. like that. Usually before COVID, for even for simple hearings like that, we would still mm-hmm. have to drive to the courthouse, find parking, walk into court, wait in the courtroom. Um, it's, it's a whole process. And maybe we're just speaking to the judge for like less than five minutes. But the clients right, right. for like, you know, the round trip um, commute to the courthouse and back and they end up paying hundreds of dollars, maybe thousands of dollars for like a five minute hearing. Now yep. for those five minute hearings, we can just hop on the computer. And while we're waiting, mm-hmm. we can be responding to emails, responding to texts, doing other work mm-hmm. on the side. And it's, it's very recording podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I said yeah, recording so podcast it's, interviews, it's right? Yeah. 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 So I, I think this is that makes, better. Yeah. It's here. It's here to stay. Mm-hmm. I, I think this new virtual setup is definitely here to stay. You think it's here to stay? I think so. I, I think, think now. 
Yeah, yeah. And Ashley, the presiding judge of Los Angeles County, did um, speak with us too. And he says that virtual has made the court system more efficient. So they're not planning on doing away with it anytime soon. Do you think, because you said that they're using Zoom, right? Um, no, it's not Zoom per se, but it is like, you know, a video um, communications software of some sort. Are they really using Zoom? Because I mean, Short term, I understand that everybody was in a bind, you know, but long term, you know, is there a more secure one, uh, you know, something that Zoom's been, you know, knacked on for the last year for lack of security issues. I mean, remember that moment in time, I think probably when we first did our, our first interview, one of the things was people, you know, jumping inside of Zoom calls that weren't for them and trolling it with you know, bad comments or, you know, just bad things. So that's where I'd wonder, wonder from a security standpoint, if they're going to be using something more secure or if it is something like a regular public offering like Zoom. So all those security reasons, security things, I heard about it last year when yep. things first converted to virtual. I remember like when schools first started virtual classes, there were a lot of issues, you know, with people jumping into classrooms uh, where there, there were minors involved. But mm -hmm. um, I think Zoom immediately got on that and yep. updated their software, made changes. And so I think all of this year, I haven't really heard any security issues that Zoom yeah, has I been having. I haven't too much, but if the settings are set and proper, I mean, I guess it is still easy. I mean, it comes down to, I guess, whoever's sending the meetings got to take the proper proper steps to make sure that like you're using an individual link each time. So well, the, the core systems are actually mm -hmm. very secure because even if you want to appear remotely, you have to sign up and pay the courts ahead of time. Um, and oh. then once you, that way they know that you're going to be appearing remotely. And then they will, after receiving payment, send you a link to click on for that hearing. So it's, yeah. it's you can't just decide last minute, oh, I'm going to, you know, jump on the computer instead of going in person. If you don't sign up timely, then you have to go in person on that day. Of course. You have to pay first, though. With that, then, do you think that the, the digital meeting gives one side or the other an advantage during the court sessions at all? Or do you think that it is pretty equal? Um, I think if one party is appearing in person and the other party is appearing on the computer, the party that is in person has more, um, it, they have an easier time persuading the judge to take their side. Because it's so easy right. to just talk over the other person that's on a computer. Yeah, yeah. So they will allow the mixed meetings like that. They will allow the mixed meetings, yeah. But in my opinion, I think the person who's appearing personally has a, a significant advantage over the other party. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if you're in a legal case, I mean, how does that work for the strategy for you, your firm? Uh, if, say, I'm your client. And we're suing the guy who stole my coffee idea, okay? And we were planning on doing virtual, but then we find out for this proceeding, oh, no, 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 they're going to be there in person. And this isn't, maybe it's not the most important part of the trial. It's some kind of, you know, pre-trial motion or something like that we're going for. Um, you know, something smaller, but still important because it's something that we would like them to rule in our favor. 
Okay. What would you then do? Do you know if the other party is going to be remote or in person ahead of time? Uh, or do they not disclose that to you? If they tell you, then they, they can tell you, but they don't have to, or they can lie to you, you know, and say, Oh, yeah. I'm going to show up remotely. And then choose to show up in prison. There's not much you can do about it. But so the if court, something the that's court important, themselves, I mean, doesn't the court uh, advise you like which party is nope. showing they view nope, it just nope. equal footing? Equal wow. footing. Yeah. If you request them that you want to appear virtually, they'll send you a link, but they're not going to tell you what the other side is doing. That that, that wow. gives them more work to do. They want to do less work because they're already swamped as it is. Yeah, so they, yeah. they don't want to take on more tasks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially in a county like L.A. That that is uh, that is super, super interesting. Everything that you, you've stated there. Um, I, I, I don't know. I find it fascinating because. When people see the judiciary in the United States, I don't think many people think about digital transformation in that, in the court system. And to hear how COVID has even pushed them, you know, off of a cliff to, to digitally transform, then it, it's, I don't know, I find it fascinating. It's very, very interesting. And it kind of makes me wonder um, how things are going to to be, you know, in the future. Uh, as far as are they, if if this is so much more efficient, are we going to go to a permanent, um, you know, a permanent one? How? What about jury trials? Are they all in person, or you know, how how does that work? Yeah, there there's been jury trials that were done solely virtually. And they've actually worked, but I'm sure, you know, I was one of the parties involved. I would want my attorneys to be in court in person with the jury. Like it's, you know, it's so much about how you speak to them in person, mm -hmm. your tone, your language. And a lot of the communication just does not come through the same way on a computer screen. So I, I one of the other questions that, that we hear a lot, I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot with this one for, uh, Hot takes. I don't want to get into the the granular things as far as the virus or employer mandates, stuff like that, because, you know, you know, we don't really touch the political topic here. I want to know from a legal standpoint and, you know, ADA can't possibly clash with things like vaccine mask mandates, stuff like that. If you have someone with a disability and they cannot get it. What do you do in that type of a situation as an employer? We've been looking all around. We, you know, seems like everybody's vague, like they just kind of ignore it and no one actually addresses it. If we were your client, what would you advise in those regards? So I'm lucky because my husband's in HR and pretty much any question I had regarding masks and PPE and COVID mm -hmm. and vaccinations, I've been able to just get his advice because he, yeah. he takes, you know, he's responsible for like thousands of employees at City National wow. Bank and they've had yeah. way more cases. Yeah. So yeah. here, like if, if an employee, employee calls in sick and they go get tested and it's negative, I have to ask him, okay, what do I do? You know, am I supposed to tell everyone, disclose to people, you know, cause it is oh, a medical yeah. thing. Like there's certain things I can't say, but then if it affects other people, they need to know to get quarantined, mm -hmm. you know, and um, do, you know, of course I can't mandate vaccines, 
<laughs> but all, all these issues, like there, there's yeah. so many and I'm not an expert in this at all, but I'll tell okay. you like what we've been doing is we have masks everywhere for everyone to wear. Um, mm-hmm. And we have um, hand sanitizers, um, cleansing wipes. We, we wipe down all the counters and mm-hmm. sanitize and clean everything. Um, and then all the desks are social distanced. So everyone's got their own space. And then also I let every employee have the option of working remotely from home if they choose to. But surprisingly, a lot of employees haven't taken me up on that offer. They they wow. would rather come into the office because um, for three months last year, towards the beginning, we uh-huh. our office was fully closed. Everyone had to work remotely. Oh yeah, and we we implemented uh, weekly Zoom meetings for people to connect. And at almost every Zoom meeting, someone was breaking down. They were like uh, stressed out. The anxiety levels were so high. The depression rates were high. They were breaking down. Mm-hmm. Some people live alone. They had no human uh, interaction for three months. And so they were like, they couldn't wait for the office to reopen and come back and have some kind mm-hmm. of human interaction instead of just being alone, cooped up in their house, you know, by themselves. So even though I give everyone the option of working remotely, uh, everyone's still coming in. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome though. I would have been the first person at the door without a doubt. Uh, if you're like, Hey, you know, you can work remotely. Yep. I'm gone. I have always worked. Well, not always, but for the last 11 years, I've worked remote, um, I was doing remote before it was cool, Elizabeth. That's how I roll. <laughs> um, the whole time that you knew me, I mean, you knew how successful I was working with Vision 33 out of LA. I mean, that whole time I was working remote from my house. I mean, I was like, why are you going to make me spend two, three hours? Wouldn't you rather me try to sell a million dollar project instead of spending like 15 to 20 hours driving back and forth to Irvine each week? Like, no, yeah, no, I'm right? not doing it. It makes no sense. And I'm like, it, it's 45, 50 miles. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm working from home. <laughs> you know, we agreed like, hey, you've got to ramp up first. You know, you got to get trained, get accustomed. So two, three months, I think I did in the office. And then from there, it was once a week uh, just for our Monday meetings. And then from there, it ended up being once a quarter. And <laughs> now I have not stepped foot in an office since I left Los Angeles. That's how long it's been. Oh, wow. So it's been about two and a half years. So you're a techie. You're, you're like comfortable with just computers and yeah. you know, talking on a screen. But there's, I think, I think that the COVID has been amazing for more introverted people, but the yeah. extroverts that require human interaction, mm-hmm. it's been really hard on them. Like, my my friend um, is a nurse who works at a hospital and she said the suicide rates have gone up 30%. Wow. Yeah. yeah. They, she had a, a, a patient come in. Um, he, he they, they operated on him because he tried to commit suicide and he wasn't fully successful. But then when he was recovering in the hospital, he jumped out from the hospital window and. Um, oh my God. Yeah. And then tried to commit suicide again. But then he was like on the fourth floor and she said that he jumped and landed on the third floor. And so he still survived. But there's like so many of well, these things going on right now. Hey, I guess it's good. This guy sucks at, uh, you know, jumping <laughs> out windows himself. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that is uh, that is insane. But yeah, that's the one thing that I think so many people 
kind of forgot as you know you get into a little bit of the lockdowns closing down uh i think too many people were just like ah, oh, you know the heck with mental health you know who cares if uh more people are you know killing themselves i'm not gonna get sick and uh i think it was really bad for a lot of people i mean addiction way up like divorces with your your law all that stuff is way up spousal abuse you know those types of things they have increased a lot in numbers over over the past year and it's mostly due to this hey don't go outside or locking us down for that three-month period it's it's uh it's been rough for for a lot of of people and you know i i tell you a quick story i injured my back uh well i've always had an injured back but i re i not re-injured but i injured it more i guess you could say at my kid's birthday party uh, i played volleyball for 15 minutes and i really like fractured it herniated pinched nerves everything and i really couldn't walk for nearly like two months up until they finally gave me like epidural injections and numb it and for nearly two months i was all but bedridden like 90 percent of the day and that time it just totally it gave me flashbacks to like just the the covid lockdown and how i felt like helpless that you can't do anything it, it gave me those feelings that it, it created a lot more anxiety stress and stuff like that you know we're not it, it it was tough. And I think there's a lot of people out there that probably felt uh, the same way, you know, during both time periods. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's been yeah. a really stressful year, you know, with the unemployment rates up, so much uncertainty as to what the future holds. It's been a very tough year for some people. But at the same time, like I've had clients come to me and they've made more money this past year than ever in their entire oh, yeah. lives. Yeah. They, you know, it's a like, thing. Mm -hmm. A thing where people work two, three jobs now, remote, full-time jobs. And, yeah, uh, yeah, like, you can do so much more. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, there was an article, I think it was Forbes or Business Insider, one of those big publications that did a whole expose on it. And they're like, yeah, you know, these are the employees that are working three full-time sales jobs and bringing in $1.2 million dollars you know, more money than they ever have their whole entire life. Uh, and none of the employers know about the other one. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> holy cow. They, it, there's actually full forums dedicated to this as far as, hey, let's, um, uh, like, how do you string your employer along as far as why you didn't update your LinkedIn, all that stuff. And like, I was, wow, that got sophisticated fast. Like people did not like they, it's kind of like whether it's that or it's wall street bets, um, you know, people have figured out like, no, there, there's a lot of opportunity, you know, in these modes of crisis that we're in like a pandemic. I mean, it's where people, a lot of people do end up making money if they do do the right moves. And that's why I got one of our mutual friends on here, uh, who is probably the interview that airs right before yours, which is uh, our friend Tiffany Largy. And, oh, yeah. Uh, Tiffany. Yeah, 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 with her Do the Damn Thing Nation. And yep. that's where it, it all ties back to me because 
I mean, really, what's stopping me or you or anybody else? It's like, if you have the time, I mean, you can do it within a reasonable amount. I mean, why aren't you actually out there doing two jobs? Why weren't you doing this beforehand? You know, with a, a, cause there were still remote sales jobs before heads. There's plenty of them. I mean, uh, I just don't think it was as well known or advertised back then. And it's, it comes down to the, the, the mental portion of it, of actually doing the dang thing and, and setting your mindset. Like, yeah, I'm going to go out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this job. I'm going to make this money and, and just committing to it rather than just living in that gray, like she says, and thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. She does amazing with her company. <laughs> Last question. I, we got to leave on a fun note. Okay. And the fun note is I had asked this on Facebook and you told me I had to call you if I wanted legal advice. So I got you on my podcast. So I'm going to ask you, okay. Uh, And you're probably thinking, well, legal advice. He just asked me like 20 different legal questions. Um, (laughs) But uh, this is, this is a fun question. It's meant in parody. Okay. So just be warned. Yeah. Yeah. Cause just now this is public. You have no attorney client. Everything is non-confidential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with um, all these rock bands that keep retiring and they keep saying, hey, this is the last tour and you're paying these outrageous prices and then they're touring again in a couple of years. I mean, is that not fraud? Can't someone sue them for that? That drives (laughs) me nuts. I'm a music junkie. I love my music. I love my concert. I love my guitars. But how many Kiss farewell concerts do I have to see over the last two and a half decades? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, you know, they, they maybe that was their intention when they when they were broadcasting. This is our last tour. But, you know, how many times have we made a decision and changed our mind on it? So mm-hmm. unless they're them changing their mind absolutely caused you damages um it would be a waste of time for you to sue because if you sue them first of all you have to prove that they caused you harm second of all you have to calculate how much that harm is which is the damages calculation so maybe at most you'll get your concert ticket back (laughs) no 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 it's it's the memory like motley crew we purposely paid i'm not even a big motley crew fan but we purposely paid to go to the last motley crew show quote unquote ever okay and it looks like uh i think i think it was a motley crew post i I tagged you on to ask when i published it but um it looks like they are going back to tour again and it's like oh so i paid all that money i went through the expense it was new year's eve yet too and i lost my whole new year's eve i mean the concert sucked i mean it's something i could have passed on but ultimately I go through all that money and it wasn't when you're talking a couple thousand dollars and stuff like that for the stuff that we had. And, and that's where, I don't know. I think, uh, I think they're just taking advantage of fans emotions sometimes, mm. especially you kiss. I'm talking to you, Gene Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there could possibly be a false advertising claim in there. I don't specialize in no, false no. advertising. Yeah, I know. I had to, I had to ask it for you because that's 
that's the one thing that really, really irks me. And it's just because of my love for music. You know, it's like, hey, if I go to your last show or one of your last shows, you know, I really want that to be because you have inflated prices, you know, especially if you go for any of their VIP stuff. And it's like, you know, I'm paying for that thinking that it actually is. Hey, Elizabeth, we've got to get rolling. This has been amazing. I had a fun chat. How about you? I did too. I always have a great time chatting with you. We covered so many topics today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was great. So let me, you know, I do want to remind Elizabeth, although we are talking about, I mean, not Elizabeth, but everybody out there, uh, we are talking about fun things today, but she does have a law firm. How do people reach out to you or your law firm? Um, they can find us on our website, yanglawoffices.com or find us on Instagram at yanglawoffices. Oh, I can't. Don't you love it when you can find your law firm because of an Instagram post? <laughs> yeah, they can like private message me straight from Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that wouldn't have worked earlier this week when everything went down. Oh, yeah. But... yeah. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> the rare exception, right? But yeah. hey, Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming out here. Please make sure you check out Elizabeth's uh, law office. And uh, I can't wait till you come back for round three, maybe next year. Oh, for sure. Anytime okay. you invite me, I'm there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Elizabeth. Great. Thanks, David. Cheers. Wow. Such a fun interview with Elizabeth, right? First, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked those warm and fuzzies, please do me a favor, hit the like button, smash that subscribe button. And if you really want to help us out, because you know Shark Bite Biz is the greatest cat secret out there in the world of business, even more secret than KFC's 11's Herbs and Spices, please do us a favor, share us out to your network, get us out there on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. I would love to see nothing more than Elizabeth Yang and David Strasser with Shark Bite Biz out there trending. Now let's get back to our superstars, two-timing guest, Elizabeth Yang, okay? A couple points here that I really just wanted to reiterate with Elizabeth. First off, it was a fun, far-reaching discussion. I love when I'm friends with somebody and they come on the show because I can ask them anything. And because of me knowing them personally, it allows me to throw out the, the talking points and just have a general discussion that's hard to do with so many of our other guests because they just want to focus on their topic at hand of why they're on my show. Although I try my best to sidetrack them as much as possible. You know, it's hard to derail some of these uh, CEOs out there. So. And one of the big points I wanted to make was for all those wondering how important data can be to your business, look at Elizabeth, okay? At the beginning of the pandemic, she knew, and this is because of one of our other guests, James Shea of Cybertegic, who's been on twice as well, she knew that family law was on the rise. So what did she do? She shifted gears and she went all in and prioritized the family law over the business law. She still does business law, but it's a very small portion of her practice now compared to things like divorces. <laughs> uh, two years ago, it was the other way around them. And she has done what many others failed to do during the pandemic, and that was grow her business. And she did it because she had valuable data that turned into business intelligence that allowed her to make a quick, decisive 
decision with confidence and go all in in the family law bucket as part of her business. And that is good stuff. That is how data can help transform your business if you're willing to listen to the data. The other point I wanted to make was it's really cool to see how our court system is digitally transforming. It is really helping them blast through the backlog of court cases by having Zoom calls. And now it's kind of interesting. And we talked about this during the interview was you have to decide, you know, do you want to be in person or digital? That is part of a legal strategy now of what you would want to do, because like Elizabeth said, she feels that the digital court system is something that is here to stay. Hey, big shout out, Elizabeth. Thank you again for coming onto the show and becoming shark bait for the second time. It's always a blast to have you here, and you're welcome anytime. Question of the day. Are you open to digital court? Leave a comment down below if you're watching on YouTube. And remember, if you want to be on this show, if you want to become Sharkbait, shoot an email out to interviews at sharkbitefizz.com. Please don't forget, join the channel. It's $3 a month. You can become a baby shark. But if giving money through big tech isn't your thing, don't worry. We got you covered too. Head on over to deadhousecoffee.com. That is where you can support the show. You will get the freshest coffee that is roasted, sealed, and shipped within a 24-hour period to give you the freshest, most coolest zombie-themed coffee to your doorstep. And you get that with 20% off just by using the code SHARK. And remember... Proceeds help us build the biggest and best show we possibly can. You all know this by now, but I'll tell you again anyways. I'm David Strasser, and this is Shark Bite Biz. We'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.